Contact is a funny thing and it can feel like there's a lot of fine lines that you don't know where they are but when you cross them you definitely know you cross them such as you end up with washing lines in your hands or you end up literally feeling like you're carrying the whole front of the horse on your shoulders. And in this episode I want to talk about three simple little tweaks that you can make to your riding that could make a world of difference to contact, being able to establish it and being able to actually keep it and maintain it as well. So if that interests you, let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Daily Strides podcast. My name is Lorna Leeson. I'm an equestrian trainer and coach, and I love working with riders who are working alone with their horses and helping them to move forward and to keep inspired and to keep training and developing and improving both themselves and their horse. Okay, so today I want to talk about contact and I do think that before we even begin this conversation, it is really important to understand that by simply changing these three things that I'm going to tell you about just now, it's not going to magically create contact if there's not a couple of other things in place. That's the thing, contact is not the easiest thing in the world to work on, okay? I don't think it's necessarily difficult but if other pieces of the puzzle are not in place contact can be a little bit tough okay and it can be tough to maybe first of all establish but then to also maintain and this is where a lot of riders are challenged they they just can't maintain that sense of contact or the feeling of contact with their horse So let's just talk about some of those things that I feel need to be in place. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the training scale, but if you are, you will know that contact, contact's not at the bottom, hey? There's a couple of things that come before it. So it kind of stands to reason that those things would have to be fairly well established and present in order for true contact to be both established and maintained as well, okay? They would be relaxation, rhythm and suppleness, but there's other things as well. It's not just about those, okay? So if we think about your posture as a rider, that's really important. We're going to get into that just now, why it's so important. Your position, your timing, And your aids themselves, so the timing of your aids and your aids, okay, really, really important as well. And if we think about maybe your horse, that the fact that contact really and truly requires your horse to begin to step up and take some responsibility, okay? So is your horse both accepting of this? Is he, if you want, keen to do this? And is he present? Is he developed enough? in order to really and truly understand and take responsibility for his role inside of this contact. And if you're thinking, what do you mean? You see, contact really and truly is an agreement. That's what it is. It's an agreement between you and your horse that the two of you are going to now work together. You're each going to have your own kind of responsibilities. It's like you've you've divided out all the things that have to go into contact. And you're like, okay, I'll take this bit and you take that bit and We'll, we'll work together and we'll make it happen. And I know that seems like, you know, it's all jokey and we're all laughs, but really and truly that is what contact is. It really and truly is about you and your horse having an agreement. And through this agreement and through mutual respect for each other and mutual understanding of each, each other, you're working together to both establish and then maintain this connection together as a team, okay? You're working together to 
build and develop the team. That's connection. That's contact. Contact is connection. And it's really important to understand that. So it means that both you and your horse have to have this certain level of responsibility. And one of the key areas in this is that self-carriage that I just said. Well, I called it posture earlier. Your posture is self-carriage, okay? It's his posture too. But yeah, it is important, okay? We want this. We want our horses to be able to carry themselves. In fact, they must be able to carry themselves in order for true contact to be present. But they can't do that if you're sitting there like the sack of potatoes. So you see how this responsibility comes in, okay? Really, really important. If you have been up to this point kind of forcing your horse in any shape or form into contact and as soon as you stop forcing it all goes, that's not really true contact. Um, And I know that can be a little bit... um, I don't know, it can be hard to hear for a lot of riders, but it's also, I think, the sooner riders begin to understand that, the sooner they can actually begin to change their approach in order to actually begin developing true contact, which will then allow them to go further in their training. Because I tell you now, if you're thinking about contact and approaching contact backwards, I'll talk about that just now, you're going to get stuck. You, You won't go any further in your training. That is it. And it amazes me how many people will tell other people to do it that way just to get a quick fix. And I think, no, it's, that's not nice for anybody, especially not the horse. But it's also not nice for the rider because now you're giving this rider this whole false, I don't know, sense of achievement that actually is not an achievement at all. Okay, I'll get off my high horse about this. You can see it's something I'm pretty passionate about. Let us dive into those three things. Now, and again, just going back onto this, making sure that you understand by just changing these three things, it's not going to like, bump, contact. No, there's all these other things that have to also be in place. But just from me being in the arena with so many riders and then working online with so many riders, These are the things that show up over and over again. So that's why I wanted to bring them to your attention. Okay, first and foremost, you hold the reins with your thumbs, not your fingers. Now, it is mind-boggling how many different ways I have seen riders hold the reins over the years. And some of these riders have been riding for years, like, I mean, years and years, and not on their own, hacking about, like, doing their own thing. These people have been, like, working with trainers and instructors, and nobody has ever pointed out the fact that if they would just change a little bit how they're holding the reins look, it would be night and day. Okay, so what I often see happening is riders want to hold the reins. It's almost like they're they're doing a bit of yoga and they hold the reins between like the absolute tippy tops of their thumb and their index finger. Just like that. Just, just like that. Okay, and they, they like... They're just holding it there and they're not squeezing now. They wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to say in any shape or form that they would be grabbing the reins. No, no. It's kind of like they're balancing it all very precariously on the tips of their thumbs and their index fingers. Obviously, this is not going to work long term. And what ends up happening is the reins keep getting longer and the rider keeps, and this is where I say piano hands comes into play. They keep having to go back down the reins to pick it up and then they'll come back to their, I don't know, whatever way they're holding it. And then it goes back down the reins to pick it up. And it, oh, I can, it, it's irritating. It actually drives me up a wall watching people do it. 
But I can only imagine how irritating it is for the horse. And that is why so many horses tune out. They're just like, oh, please make up your mind. Make up your mind. And then when the rider can't make up their mind, they just say, you know what? I'll just ignore you. Otherwise, I'm going to go batty. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's what the horse is thinking, but I would imagine it is. That's what I would think. And I'm just on the ground witnessing the whole spectacle kind of play out. Now, you want to make sure that when the rein comes in between your little finger and your ring finger, okay? So the rein comes in, it passes up kind of the back of or the inside of your three, your ring finger, your, your middle finger and your index finger. And then it goes out over the top of your index finger, your thumb and out over the top where the knuckle is of your index finger. Okay, that first knuckle. There we go. Your thumb will then come down and go click into place. Not exactly, but you know, we're just pretending here. But your thumb is going to come down. It's going to cap it. Now, some people say like the roof of a house. So it does. It looks like the gable end of a house. Okay. So if you have a little look-see, your thumb will look like the gable end of a house. Your thumb will be pointing to your horse's um, mouth. Okay. Or towards your horse's ears, if you want that direction. And there you go. And by doing that, now look, oh, your fingers are free. Okay, your index finger, not really. That's kind of connected now to your thumb a little. You do have a little bit of wiggle room in there. But the other fingers, they are completely free. They can do whatever they want, okay? And it gives you a new way to use your aids. You can squeeze, you can vibrate, you can wiggle. You can do a lot of different things there. But also, it stops and prevents that piano hands happening, okay? You're not like going, down, gather up the reins, let them go again. Down, gather up the reins, let them go again. That is stopping. So really and truly, that is something to consider. How are you holding your reins? Are you holding it right? The second thing is, your hand is actually not yours. I know that may seem a bit odd. But if we could begin to visualize and to imagine that every time we're riding, our rein actually extends all the way to our elbow. Okay, so your the, the rein that is connected to the bit or connected to the bridle, that's the, the headpiece of the bridle, okay? Whatever you're using, maybe you don't have a bit, but the rein that goes all the way to there, okay? If you can imagine, then it comes up past your horse's neck at the side, and then you have your hand, but the rein actually extends all the way to your elbow, and if you could imagine that rain was a way that energy can be conducted, energy is flowing, okay, it's passing through, it would mean that if there was any bends or kind of uh, corners on that rain, th the energy wouldn't flow very well. And yet for so many riders, this is what happens. Remember I said that responsibility piece and the whole your posture, your horse's self-carriage, which is really your self-carriage. Well, that applies to your hands. So when you carry your hand, meaning you bend your elbow, you'll get a lovely straight line from the elbow all the way to the horse's mouth. Now, if you lift your hands too high, the line breaks, which means you're going to lose energy. If you put your hands too low, so you have a straight elbow, the line breaks, which means you're also going to lose energy. And it can often look like either things get very heavy in front, usually if the hand is low, or the horse begets very hollow if the hand is high, okay? But you can, you know, it depends on the horse, it depends on the rider, it depends on what has played up to this situation. But it is important to recognize that we want to try and have that straight, straight line. And it's not just one of these random, like, horse riding is so full of all these stupid rules, blah, 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 blah. No, it's to, it's to have clear communication. If you can imagine the line is a, a channel, 
Well, the, the easiest way for anything to pass through a channel is a lovely, straight, open, clear channel. So create one. And there you go. It's going to be better. Okay. You're going to have better communication. Now, also what happens here is because the elbow's bent, it becomes softer. You've more elasticity through your elbow. And when you couple that with what we just done with your fingers, okay, and you can now play with the fingers and have a little game and a little talk, that creates so much more softness and so much more elasticity down through the rain that you and your horse can communicate through together, okay? And you can recycle that energy more, okay? It's really, really important. Okay, the third point I want to make is that contact is not just about the reins and your hands. And you're like, well, Lorna, you've just spent the best part of like 12 minutes talking about that. I have, that's true. But the first few minutes, I actually spent talking about a lot of other things. And it's really important to understand that, that contact is all of your aids being engaged with the horse. But specifically, there's like this connection between your seat, your legs and your hands. OK, they're kind of the main ones. OK, and it's important that when you are figuring out contact for you and your horse, that you're all the time exploring this connection. When riders get a little bit too kind of, I don't know, dependent on the reins for any sort of contact, what ends up happening is it's usually the horse's mouth that pays a very heavy price. And I see horses a lot go around arenas and their poor heads, they're going like left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. They're just, they're, they're like just shaking their head. I don't know. They probably don't even know if they're coming or going. Okay. Um, I really, my, my heart goes out to them. I don't think that's correct. I think that any animal, any person, any living thing, if you keep applying pressure like that, of course it's going to try and move away from that pressure because it hurts. It's uncomfortable. Okay? So I, I'm going to kind of go out on the limb here and say that you probably love your horse. So you don't want things to be uncomfortable. So find a different way. I don't think that's the way. And what usually ends up there is where people want to be on the bit or in a frame, or they have this misguided notion that when their horse's head is being carried a certain way, usually as close as possible to the chest, then it looks beautiful and that's correct. Or I don't know, something like that. I don't even know. Don't do it. It's not good. It's not contact. And what kind of irritates me about this, and I think it's really irresponsible, is a lot of instructors not a lot but you do get some instructors who I don't know if they've been trained to do it this way and um, but they actually tell people to do it this way and what's unfortunate is that anybody who rides this way is going to reach this like level where they won't go any further because that's not true contact and in order for you to like develop and, and go further with your training and your relationship and in order for your horse to do the same you have to try and work in true contact and true consistent contact. And riding like that won't allow it. So it is important to understand that contact really and truly is also to do with the energy being created in the back end, coming up under you, connecting to the front end, and then being recycled back. And as this is happening, there's more new energy being created. So if we think about energy being created, what's that? Legs, your legs, horse's legs. Horses hindquarters, your legs, okay? If we think about energy flowing, it's the back. It's the horse's back and it's your seat. And then if we think about the energy connecting up in the front end and it being lovely and light, that's your top half of your body. So your hands, your shoulders, your upper body 
and your horse's front end, shoulders, head and neck, okay? There is a connection between them all and it's important to understand that contact comes from working everything together. It's holistic. It all has to work together in order for true contact to be present. Okay, I am going to stop going on and on about that now. <laughs> I went a little bit further there um, that I wanted to with that, but it, it is something that really bothers me. Um, I don't enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, there we go. Okay, all that being said and done, if you're thinking a little bit like, what? It is important to understand that you may feel contact every now and then, and it could be fleeting. So you might get it for like four or five, six strides, and then it kind of feels flat or heavy again. That is completely normal because remember, you and your horse have to develop physically and mentally in order to be able to maintain any sort of consistent contact. So it's good, notice those feelings of lightness. And I think it's so many riders get disheartened. They think, ah, but I can't keep it. But that's that's the job, that's the work, that that's the challenge, that's the game, that's the fun, that's the training, that's the connection, that's you and your horse developing together. When you can really and truly begin to notice, oh look, I felt it there, that was two or three strides where it felt really light, it felt really good, yeah, but I definitely, myself and my horse were together there. That is marvelous, amazing, well done, now. The next thing becomes, can I make that last longer? And the bits in the middle, can I make them shorter? So I can get contact, and then I don't have to work for another 20 strides to get contact again. I can get it in the shorter amount of time, and that's where you and your horse can move forward. I have a free resource all about the half halt that might help you with this, just with the whole engaging of all the aids and just getting a little bit more self-carriage in there. You can find it over at stridesforsuccess.com forward slash halt. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. This was another really long episode. My goodness. Okay, I'll try and narrow it down next week. Okay, be good. I'll chat to you then. Bye.